Hello and welcome to the 27th episode of the Commander Quest podcast. Today we are going to be talking about a Pramicon pump opponent's creatures slash give opponent's creatures deck and a Eureka ninja deck. If you do not already know, the Commander Quest is my goal in building all of these decks. I am trying to build decks with all of the cards in Magic that are legal in Commander. I'm making Commander decks with no overlap. So let's get into it. So to start off, we have Magic News. So other than uh, spoilers for Corset 2021, um, there is really only one thing I could find, which is arguably also spoilers, but I'm just going to touch on it really quickly. So, for the Planeswalker decks, they revealed the Planeswalkers that are going to head it and some other uh, cards that will go with it. So there's Basri, Devoted Paladin, there is Teferi, Timeless Voyager, there is Liliana, Death Mage, and there is Chandra, Flames Catalyst. There's also Garuk, Savage Herald. I will get more into these cards uh, when I do the uh, when I do the set review, but for now, those are the heads of the decks. You can look into it yourself. I will put a link into in the description of this article and of spoilers for the new set. After recording this, there was an update to the commander rules that I think is important enough for me to edit this in. Commander dies triggers officially work. They have changed the rules, so it is now not a replacement effect anymore. Okay, I will put a link in the description, but Commander Dies triggers now work. This is going to be this is going to bring a lot of changes to the format. Not really. Um honestly, it it'll just help a couple of older commanders. Um yeah. So that's just that was just recently announced and it is a huge change. Uh, I don't think it's going to actually impact the format that much. It will only affect uh, select few decks. So, next thing I want to cover really quickly before we get into analyzing Rakdos Charm is... So, I have recorded a bonus episode which I do basically whenever I want, whenever I have time. Um, and because of this, because this is scheduled, this will come out before it. So if I say what number episode wrong, or if I know this is going to happen, my predictions for what the cards in Corset 2021 are going to be from Morrow's Hints uh, have already been released. The cards have already been released then that is why. Uh, I usually try to record and then release my podcast really quickly 
so that I can have as up-to-date information as possible. But because this is scheduled, I can't do that as well. So, I will be releasing that as soon as possible. And I will work, and I will begin working on my set review as soon as all of the spoilers have been released. So, let's get into analyzing Rakdos Charm. So, Rakdos Charm, if you do not know, is basically, it's a part of a cycle of charms. So, there's one for a lot of different colors. I'm not sure if it's just there's a cycle of five of them or if there's a cycle of ten of them, but Rakdos Charm is black, red for an instant. Choose one. Exile all cards from target player's graveyard, destroy target artifact, or, or and each creature deals one damage to its controller. So this is similar to the other charms because they all cost the two colors that they are, that the two colors that they are. And they all have choose one of three options. So for Rakdos Charm, here's what basically I'm analyzing the aspect of each creature deals one damage to its controller. So for that, that I'll get into real quick, but for the other abilities, to be able to exile all cards from target player's graveyard, that is rather useful. Uh, there's going to be a lot of situations that that can help you, and being able to destroy target artifact will also be able to help you in a lot of different situations. Each creature dealing one damage to a its controller is rather good, actually. As you will see... The more you go forward in turns, the more that it'll be likely to do. So I just put down what damage it's most likely going to be dealing to all of your opponent's total. Uh, because put putting down how much damage it's probably going to deal to you isn't necessarily helpful. So starting off on turn two. It is likely to deal 2-3 to three damage to each opponent total. Now, this seems bad, and honestly it is. You might even also be taking damage, if you played a 1-drop. Uh, on turn 3, it is likely to be doing 3-5 to five damage. Um, also, pretty bad. Turn 4, 6-8 to eight damage. Now, this is the point where it gets pretty good. It starts being a decent card. You might consider running this in a deck if it were just black-red, deal 7 damage to divide it as you choose among opponents. Now, I don't know what deck that would go in. Maybe a Rakdos, well, of course Rakdos, but a lot of Rakdos decks care about damaging your opponents. Maybe something like that. But for that, probably 6 to 8 damage, turn 5, 7 to 9 damage, and turn 6, 8 to 10 damage. Once you get up to those big numbers, you're doing a lot of damage. You're having a very large impact on the board because people just have so many creatures. So, 
Beyond that, the odds go up, but not as drastically, because the only thing going up is the number of cards people can draw, not necessarily very much. The number of creatures that they can... the CMC of creatures that they can cast. So, Factor's Charm, overall, if you think about all of these categories, they're all good in a specific scenario. Exile cards from target player's graveyard? That is a very common scenario. Graveyard decks are very common. Destroy target artifacts? There are a huge number of problematic artifacts. And each creature deals one damage to its controller can either be decent value or it can be a huge blowout to a token deck, which are also very common. This is just lots of different options that seem a little bit obscure, but overall you will almost always be able to get good value from this. Just don't play it in, in a token deck, because it does deal damage to you. If you have a lot of creatures, it will deal damage to your own creatures. So, beyond that, um, it is time to get into the decks. So I'm going to start with this Pramicon Pump Opponent's Creatures deck. So Pramicon Sky Rampart is blue, red, white for a 1-5 Flying Defender. When it enters the battlefield, choose left or right. Each player may attack only the nearest opponent in the chosen direction and Planeswalkers controlled by that opponent. Now... I was considering saving this for a Super Friends deck, but there are a lot of different things I can do with Planeswalkers, and they are not really in need. So, this is a deck that I have been thinking about and trying to make work, especially with the Commander Quest, for actually a couple, probably a month or two now. I have tried building this deck three separate times, and I have now finally succeeded. So... The idea of this deck is to take advantage of cards that give your opponent's creatures as, or pump your opponent's creatures as a downside. They're so powerful that they need that. Now, while I did say they are so powerful, they usually actually are not. They're usually just a big creature. So... What you can do is with Pramicon, you can give it to an opponent that is not going to be able to attack you. And then, once that opponent has gone around the table, you're going to want to choose someone with an aggro deck and killed all the rest of the players. You have tons and tons of cards that are just going to let you reflect damage. You have a lot of counter spells in order to get you to that point. You have some draw. There's just a lot of support for this game plan, and it works surprisingly well. So, to cover it again, first we're going to play down Pramicon, then we're going to give that aggro player who's hopefully uh, on either side of us and not in the middle, uh, by that I mean like before us or after us in turn order, not uh, two turns after us, and we're going to wait for them to eliminate all the other players. Then we can we can help them by giving them tons of creatures. We can then we can also use counter spells to counter things that will stop them. 
or just things that will stop us, or just things that that player is playing that can damage us, things like that. And we can make it so that they, so they kill everyone, right? And it's down to you. What, how are you going to stop them from killing you, and how are you going to kill them? So there's a lot of different ways to do this, but mostly the best way to do it is with damage reflection. We are choosing a creature aggro deck for a reason, and we are helping them do that. So if we reflect all the damage in one lethal kill, then they could also very likely die. Plus, it is a great way to delay it. There are also a lot of different cards that just deal a big chunk of damage, such as Acidic Soil, which is a sorcery for two and a red. It deals one damage to each player for each land he or she controls. Now, you will probably have a decent amount of lands, but you don't have any ramp. And you are the one that is able to control combat with Pramacon. You have set it up in a way that you're almost never going to take damage. You are just making that opponent go much, much lower. So, for examples, in the different categories of cards, we have the Hunted Cycle for giving, un giving opponents creatures. Uh, one example of that would be Hunted Dragon. Three in a red for 6-6 six, six, Flying Haste. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent, opponent creates three 2-2 two, two White Knight creature tokens with first strike. Ooh, it is really, really hot in here. I'm recording in a closet, and I put tons of foam on the wall to improve sound quality, and it's like at least three trillion degrees in here. Uh, it is now summer, so, and I haven't installed the ACs yet, so it's working on it. It's very hot, but hopefully in the future it will not be this bad. Okay, so we while we are giving our opponent once we have given our opponents creatures, uh, we can also use for support. We can use draw. Uh, we have divination. We have foresee. We have coastal discovery. Um, those are basically just a couple mana sorceries to draw two cards. Uh, foresee lets you also scry for uh, for three or four mana depending on the one, and then we have some counter spell support. We have Arcane Deny, which is one, of, one in a blue counter-target spell. This controller may draw up to two cards at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. And you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. We have Blue Elemental Blast, which is blue for an instant. Choose one counter-target red spell or destroy target red permanent. This can actually be surprisingly useful because the aggro deck is very likely to be red. So, since the deck that is staying around longest is likely to be red, we can, we can do a lot to inhibit them with this spell. Bone to Ash, to blue blue, counter target creature spell, draw a card. Um, so, once we have controlled the board and we've given them lots of creatures, an example of pumping their creatures could be Tempt with Glory, five and a white for a sorcery, tempting after, offer, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, each opponent may put a plus one plus one counter on each creature he or she controls. For each opponent who does, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Uh, the creature on the counters on creatures I control isn't really gonna do much. Um. So once you have that, you are going to want to reflect damage. One example of this is 
Borosphere, Boros Fury Shield, which is two and a white for an instant. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by target attacking or blocking creature this turn. If red was spent to play Boros Fury Shield, it deals damage to that creature's controller equals to the creature's power. That is great. Comeuppance is pretty sure the best version of this that I have. Prevent three and a white for an instant. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to you and planeswalkers you control this turn from a creature you don't by sources you don't control. If damage from a creature source is prevented this way, comeuppance deals that much damage to that creature. If damage from a non-creature source is prevented this way, comeuppance deals, dam deals that much damage to the source's controller. This is a very easy way to wipe out your opponent's board because it's an instant and try and kill them after that. Sadly, it does not deal damage to your opponents. The I'm pretty sure the only ones that deal damage to opponents only work on one source. Okay, next is Deflecting Palm. Deflecting Palm is red-white for an instant. The next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn, prevent that damage. If damage is prevented this way, Deflecting Palm deals that much damage to that source's controller. So, again, it, it'll stop one thing and it will make that opponent take that much damage. Um, I don't know if you could just hear, but I just, I was experimenting with opening the door and it sounds a lot, lot worse if I do. So, I guess I will just be a billion degrees. Um, that's basically all there is. This is a pretty straightforward deck and I feel like it could work fairly well. Next up is a ninja tribal Eureka the Tiger's Shadow deck. Eureka the Tiger's Shadow is one blue black for a 1-3 with Commander Ninjutsu blue black. Whenever a ninja you control deals combat damage to a player, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. Each opponent loses like life equal to that card's converted mana cost. Basically, this is split into a couple of categories. First of all, we have evasive creatures. Creatures that we can bounce back. So, of the evasive creatures, we have a couple of different niches. The main one that we can take advantage of is creatures with zero power. If a creature has zero power, it is still considered unblocked, and our opponents are even less likely to block it. Plus, they often have evasion, such as Avon Envoy, which is blue for a 0-2 with flying. So, this is a great way to take advantage of zero power, and there are several cards in here that fit that description. So... There are also just other random creatures with evasion, usually flying, that I can return back to my hand. I have 14 cards in that category because I want to draw at least one every single game, but I don't want to have more than one. Because I can recast it over and over again, having more than one is just a waste of cards. So, 14... I know I will get one, and I have a decent chance of getting two, but because I really want to get one, that is good enough. So, next it is time to look at the ninjas. 
So I included all of the ninjas in this deck that I could. There are 18 ninjas in the game. So some of those have ninjutsu, similar to Yuriko. Return an unblocked attacker you control to you to hand. Uh, put this card onto the battlefield from your hand, tapped, and attack it. So, and they usually have a deal damage trigger. Uh, this one, Azra Smoke Shaper, is when it enters the battlefield, target creature you control gains indestructible until end of turn. This does not fit what they usually do, but it is close enough. It is still a ninja, and it will steal, deal damage and trigger Eureka. Usually, we will be able to get two, maybe even three, triggers of Eureka per turn. Next up is Fallen Shinobi. Fallen Shinobi is three blue black for a 5-4 with ninjutsu, two and a black. Two blue and a black. And it says, when it deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles the top two cards of their library. Until end of turn, you may play those cards without paying their mana costs. So, basically, I can get some value. Uh, being able to play them without paying their mana costs can be very nice, but I don't have any way to control my opponent's libraries. So, you get the idea of the ninjas. There's just They just usually have ninjutsu trigger Eureka and have their have triggers of their own. It can work very, very well. The next category is Scry. So Scry is very self-explanatory. It is just creatures with Scry attached onto them. That way I can filter my deck and get what I want on top revealed with Eureka. This way this is also really good with creatures, because if I can get them to be unblocked, I can bounce them back with my ninjas, with my ninjutsu. One great example of this is Augury Owl. One in a blue for a 1-1 one, one with flying. When it enters the battlefield, scry 3. So, first of all, I can attack with it, and it will most likely be unblocked, and I can replace that with a ninja, which will get me lots of triggers. Second of all, I can when I do recast it, I can scry three. And third of all, that scrying scry three can be very useful because it will control what I hit on the reveal with Eureka. And because Eureka wants big, big creatures, I have plenty more cards similar to that. I have a giant category, 19 cards of big CMC stuff. So this niche, this niche of big CMC cards is big CMC cards that you don't really need to cast. There's not really very much that makes you want to cast these cards. They just exist. So you can get the huge triggers off of Eureka and sure you get them into your hand, but whatever. You're not necessarily going to cast them. You might just want to discard them or something. Uh, this is good. In this deck, uh, in this niche, because that's not necessarily the biggest uh, use of it. That's not the reason you're using it. So, there's a lot of different cards, and you get the idea. They're pretty bad. Uh, one of the worst examples is Aladdin La Aladdin's Lamp, which is 10 for an artifact. X, 
Tap. Instead of drawing a card from the top of your library, draw X, part, X cards, but choose only one to put into your hand. Shuffle the leftover cards and put them at the bottom of your library. X cannot be zero. So, basically, you get to... I don't think I'd run this if it were free, if it were zero mana. It's pretty bad. Um, but some of them are better than others, such as Abundant Maw, which is 8 for 6-4, Eldrazi Leech. And when it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses 3 life and you gain 3 life. You can also use it as an emerge. You may cast this with by sacrificing a creature and paying the emerge cost, reduced by that creature's converted mana cost. So some of them are salvageable. And you might be able to get some value off of them in very niche scenarios. But really, you are just trying to reveal them off of the top of your deck. Beyond that, we have lands, which uh, we have 19 lands, 15 swamps, uh, ca Castle Vantrest, Soldevi Excavations, and Temple of the Deceit. Those are all just lands that let me have that let me have uh, scry on my lands. All right, it is time to get into the collection statistics. Uh, while it is loading, I will go ahead and briefly explain. As I am working on this quest, I have statistics because I use my collection to track the cards in my decks. So I know the number of cards, the CMC distribution, the type distribution, and a lot of other data. Alright, it is loaded. So, I have a total of 2,456 cards uh, and 2,450 unique cards. The reason for that is Seven Dwarves. Seven Dwarves, if you do not know, is a card that you can run seven of. And it gets pumped for the number of cards you have out. Um, that still annoys me. So, my estimated value is $4,000, which comes out to be, let's see, 2,450, 4,000, divided by 2,450 is 1.63 per card versus the, the overall average of 2.20 per card. That is not too bad, not too good. Uh, today we got 126, we got about $200 of cards, over 120 cards. So we didn't do great today, but we also didn't do horrible. So beyond that, we have color distribution. We have 366 green, 487 red, 252 black, 406 blue, uh, 296 white. So, as per usual, it's pretty bad. Uh, we have 461 colorless, also too much, and 188 multicolor, which is too little. So, I think I might try and do some uh, mono black or mono white decks because I haven't been seeing very many interesting Orshog decks for me to build. So, in type distribution, we have 1,382 creatures, 281 sorceries, 365 artifacts, we have 17 planeswalkers, 89 lands, 
232 enchantments, 5 tribal cards, and 227 instants. That is not too bad. That is a pretty good distribution. Uh, for some reason, it surprises me that I'm still fairly good on the creature count. All these decks seem to me like they have a lot of creatures, but I guess not. Alright, for the rarity distribution, we have 925 commons, 754 uncommons, 673 rares, and 104 mythics. Uh, that's about right. Um... Again, we are ahead of the curve. Uh, the change between common, uncommon, rare, and mythic is much more drastic than it is in real life. Um, so basically, I have more commons than... Just, uh, I have a higher percentage of commons than there are in all of magic than I do of rares, for example. But it isn't by as much as I would like it to be. So, again, same thing as usual. Color distribution is off, maybe be a little bit more conservative, but overall, it is pretty good. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. You can join my Discord server with the link in the description. You can go on my YouTube channel if you're not, if you're not already watching from that, if you are going through a podcast with the link in the description. You can find my personal architect with the link in the description or at... I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y, not A-J-N-A-N-I, the planeswalker. You can find my Commander Quest architect at Commander Quest or with the link in the description. You can find my website with the link in the description. You can email me at griffindon't at gmail.com. And I am working on potentially uh, getting more socials that I can link to. But for now, that is all. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week.